on Monday, April 4th, the maiden voyage of the sixth podcast of the year, featuring Snap Wilson, Robococo, MJ Tolliver. You're listening on Wednesday, and the bank is open. Guys, welcome. How is everybody doing? I'm doing great. I'm all right. <laughs> All, all right. right. So I figure first episode, why don't we all introduce ourselves just a little bit, talk about the other things that we've done. Uh, I have done nothing. No, I, I hosted a podcast before called The 144, and uh, I will be contributing to the W lead to doing some articles and whatnot. But all of my focus right now is on this, and I'm really excited and I'm happy to be here. Becky, what else do you have cooking out in the World Wide Web? Sure. So I have a little website called robococo.com where I do kind of all sorts of content that's just focused on new fans and how to give them an inroad to the league. So I have my download database, which is constantly in progress, but it's got profiles of almost every WNBA player. I have a podcast, WNBA Life Coaching, a sister podcast, which helps new fans find their favorite WNBA player. And then I kind of put out articles whenever a whim strikes me to do so. Excellent. MJ, what about you? I have a blog, opinionated.media. It's supposed to be all things media, but it's been basketball focused, which is my passion. I'm obsessed with basketball. I have a partner that also does like comics, anime, and movies, but you know, that's that's going in motion. If people want to look at that, that's comicalminds.com, but it's it's not necessarily moving. As far as the website is concerned, you can go to Spotify and see some stuff as well. And over the, at Spotify, we are called Opinionated Media Presents. And people can look for content there from basketball to comics to just general day-to-day stuff so excellent yeah all right as we've recorded this uh, 24 hours ago the ncaa tournament for women has finished up south carolina gamecocks are your new national champions beating the connecticut huskies 64 to 49 pretty much a demolition their season (laughs) has been pretty much a demolition Uh, we got a really nice soundbite Aaliyah boston getting to shed happy tears this time and calling back to her her previous uh, tournament loss to Stanford when everybody was showing her crying. Got to do a smile. We called out Candace Parker for for reasons, but I really can't blame them for that. Uh, <laughs> I would do the uh, exact same thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you if you have the chance to shout out Candace Parker, you should absolutely take it. It's good life advice. I'm just personally I'm personally upset that they didn't showcase the WNBA play because I didn't see it until I was on Twitter. And it's just like, oh, yeah, such and such was there. This person was there. And I'm watching this like, wait, they were all there. Like, I only thought Aja Wilson was there. You right, know, like, right. And I'm like, wait, what? And she's like, oh, Candace, I love you. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, Candace, <laughs> Candace there. is in the building. <laughs> yeah, we had we had the, the, the testiest uh, goat chat afterwards with uh, Sue and Diana. Didn't seem, didn't seem particularly happy, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. So Becky, what were your thoughts about this tournament? What stood out to you? What do you, what do you think you will remember from this? 
the whole tournament. I mean, I went to my first tournament game this year. I went to the first round or the first two round games in Ann Arbor. So got to see some of the tournament live, which was incredible. And for me, what the player that stood out to me just because I got to see her was Nas Hillman, who means so much that Michigan program, the fans just adore her, the city adores her. And you hear a lot of people talk about it. But it's one of those things where you when you see the footwork in person, when you see the defense in person, it really, it's really impressive just compared to watching on TV. So that'll definitely be a highlight moment is getting to watch them win those that's couple awesome. games I have at not home. attended yet. <laughs> yeah. Later lost. That's fine. <laughs> they made their statement getting to the Elite Eight. So I'm proud of that. Right. <laughs> what about you, MJ? Well, I didn't see the entire tournament. I've seen a little bit of the Elite Eight and pretty much everything after the final four. And I just, I don't know. I was taken back by Destiny Anderson, the way she stepped up in a lot of big moments and made a lot of timely shots. Just seeing that, seeing her, because, you know, usually during tournament time, whether it's men's or women's, someone increases their draft stock. And she's nowhere to be found when it comes to, like, the draft projections. And I just thought that she really made an impact and really helped her team because you take her points away, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> that, right, right. That's how I was looking at it. Like, if she's not there, no one is in her place able to do what she does, who does what she does and actually gets them to win, gets South Carolina to win, mm-hmm. you know? So that that's something that I took away from the tournament. It's just like the some, some of the players in big moments, Destiny and uh, Inksler, a couple of players. And of course, you know, I want to speak about Nas Hillman because she's from Michigan. She's representing Michigan. So, <laughs> you know, a little bias just thrown out there. <laughs> Got a couple of Michigan fans in this pod. Bully yeah, I had, to, I, had to, I had to throw that out there. <laughs> so, yeah, which is a great segue into our next topic, which is what performances uh, do you think stood out to you? And uh, who do you think raised their draft stock in terms of the WNBA draft within the tournament? Becky, why don't we start with you? I agree with the names that MJ threw out there. I think Emily Engsler was one that definitely raised her stock to me. Just, you know, I'd seen her play before, always a hustle player, but she really did so much on that court in the Louisville's final game. Just a really incredible defensive player. And I think while her offensive production's not quite there yet. It feels like the type of player that has those raw materials that could could make and really showcase that. It was kind of an interesting year in terms of looking at draft stock because so many of our top picks went out early. Like right. Rachel's gone, Shakira's gone, Alyssa Smith's gone. Right. All these, you know, I'm a WNBA fan, so I like watching college basketball, but a lot of it is I'm looking for the WNBA talent and the top ones fell out <laughs> mostly in the first and second Quickly. rounds. Well, I have to say practically all of it for me is looking at the WNBA talent, but I really did enjoy some of the performers from the the middle tier schools that weren't being talked about. I loved South Dakota. South Dakota was just tremendously mm. fun to watch. And I don't know if we're going to look back. Uh, Hannah Shervin, I have no idea what her WNBA prospects are. Probably not very high. She's 6'2". A 6'2 post player is is not something that usually succeeds at the next level. 
But uh, she took on the expected number two, number three WNBA draft picks and outplayed both of them pretty solidly. And also came within a whisker of also beating uh, Naz Hillman and Michigan as well. Uh, nah, just um, yeah, it. yeah. It, was, it gave me Bella uh, Bella Alari vibes uh, in terms of her current play, which is is probably not what you're looking for when it's a college player. But yeah, she outplayed both of them. I don't know what to say. Maybe this is a future when we're looking back at the careers of Shakira Austin or Nalissa Smith. We're going to be looking back and saying, oh, yeah, you know what? They were kind of both outplayed by Hannah Shervin in the NCAA tournament. And maybe that should have been a clue to something. I don't know. Either way, Hannah Shervin is not here with her to talk about because she doesn't really project as WNBA player. In terms of raising draft stock, I agree about Anxler. And she looks like... She looks like, uh, not to diminish it at all, but she's almost like a super role player. She does a little right. bit of everything. She doesn't need the ball. She rebounds, she defends, runs the floor yeah. very well, passes, can shoot, the, the whole works. This is the kind of role that you are going to expect most WNBA draft picks to fit into at the next level. They're not all going to be primary ball handlers and scorers. They're going to be those players who are expected to do the little things, uh, make outside shots, so on and so forth. So yeah, she is she is definitely one in terms of that. I uh, agree about Destiny Henderson. Just the defense is is what stood out to me. Uh, five mm. seven is is kind of something you worry about on that end. Not yeah. a lot of players can at that height can make the leap and stick for very long time because of but the defense. You have to be really super great offensively. But for, for her, you feel like at least there is a chance. Maybe it doesn't have to rely entirely on the offensive end for her. So right, I agree, and that's yeah. and that's why I mentioned her because she looked like the ultimate glue girl out yes. there. Like in key moments, she was just everywhere. Like at she had a point where she was literally, oh, Inkster with the ball, oh, Inkster at the shot, oh, Inkster barely missed. It's just like. Is she yeah, everywhere once. Is it five of her out here? <laughs> and I'm just looking like, wow, you know, because I, I can't really say that I can put my finger on someone else that was actually that had that type of performance as a as a glue person. Like, right. Like you said, I, you took it right out of my mouth. I wasn't necessarily going to say a super role player, but I was going to say a, a glue girl, like a glue person on the floor that pretty much brings everything together, ties everything together. And she did that because you need somebody that's going to hustle. You need somebody that's going to actually go for loose balls, be scrappy on defense, get open shots when they have them. Just any opportunity that she had to actually increase her stock and to help her team, she was there everywhere, you know. And I really love that performance from her. Now, right? would we consider the glue girl the natural enemy of the horse girl? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll edit that out. <laughs> no, no, you step. better keep that. <laughs> you had absolutely better keep that. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, I will say, uh, probably not uh, uh, helping their draft stock in a way, not necessarily in a way of having uh, a huge tournament, but at least coming back and having one good game. Tennessee's uh, Ray Burrell, who was probably more highly thought of after her junior year this year, she really struggled, had knee injuries, but in the tournament, she she came back. She had that one good game against a higher seed, and and she played very well. So that's that's kind of uh, one player who has probably just helped by being able to come back and show that that she is able to show something after her injury. So. Well, it's definitely one. I 
I've watched her throughout the season. I've always really liked her, even though she doesn't always stuff the stat sheet, particularly coming back from an injury this year. Like, I was so excited to watch her first game, and then she was injured immediately. And I was like, well, bummer. <laughs> See you in three months. But she's one of those players where you, I don't know, sometimes because I've watched the WNBA so much, you watch the college game. There's some players, like, they look like a WNBA player. Like, they just right. have the right. physicality already of a WNBA player. She looks like she belongs. That's not very high-level analysis, but she just seems like has the athletic talent so, there. So I have a question then. The likes of Shakira Austin, Kirsten Bell, do you, like, because I look at some of the opportunities that they get on offense, and sometimes it's kind of like, you know, just, oh, she's shooting like an acrobatic shot, twisting her body, like this, that, and the third. Will that translate to the WNBA game? Like, you have to deal with Candace Parker or John Quayle. Like, does that translate over to the game? with them as opposed to college. You can get away with those things in the college ranks, but can you, do you think that they can get away with it? Or maybe, you know, most players come into the league and they pretty much bring the game that they had from college over to the WNBA. Right. Does that translate to you guys? That's a really good question. I, I spend a lot of time watching Shakira, especially because there's stylistically, she reminds me a lot of Asia Wilson. She likes yeah, to yeah. operate yeah, from the high up. post or, or the equivalent mm -hmm. of the high post along the baseline. And she likes to put the ball on the floor. She's very shifty in traffic. She finds ways to create an open space. She's obviously not Asia Wilson. She isn't considered that level of talent. But the another player that she kind of reminded me of, and I can see it, is Isabel Harrison, especially the season that she had this past season, where right. just that that person who 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 might go in with uh, a little bit of a size disadvantage, but finds ways to get shots up, to get quality shots up, get open, especially operating down low, and and that enough of enough mobility on the floor in tight spaces to potentially do that. It could be that that she won't reach even that level. Don't know, but I at least can see some hints of it. I I do like her the the way that she's able to move in those tight spaces. Right. Yeah, yeah I think, every time I, I think get she... really excited about a college player, I picture plopping them into the WNBA, like particularly the bigs, and just be like, what are they going to do against Sylvia Fowles when right. they have to play her? You know? She what only has to worry about that their... for one year, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're up against Brittany Griner or some of these dominant bigs. Yeah. It's like, it's a big it is, it is the the great equalizer, right? It's like how how well can you do among the trees and among the length, the athleticism, all these moves that you that you think you can make, and then you have the the really long wingspans, the super athletic players who are now their hands are all out, and they're all in your way, and you have to play a completely different game. But at least I can see something from Shakira Austin in the way that she plays that that potentially she's got the hype for it. I don't think she's going to be shooting threes or anything out there, but I, I can at least see the hints of an offensive game. Defensively, who knows? I know she has a 6'7 wingspan, so that may help her out a bit in there. I can see why she's the number three pick. That that kind of trucks what I with how I feel about her right now. But yeah, I mean we don't we we really don't know. This this could be a draft of not so many all-stars, uh, maybe reminiscent of 2017 where 
where we wind up with a few all-star caliber players and maybe one who is close, not necessarily any all WNBA candidates, and then a line of average players, which is still very good. When you're an average player in a 12-team league, you're really, really good. And then some bench play bench pieces as well. So maybe maybe no world beaters, no, no game changers in particular, but who knows? 2017, the very first all-star from that draft turned out to be Brianna Jones. And nobody really oh. saw that coming per se. Who was and number one in 2017? Kelsey Plum. Oh, right. And then Since it play was of the, year. Uh, the, the legendary Evelyn Akator, who did not last very long at all. And I think uh, number four was Alicia Gray, something like that. I mean, just got a yeah, gold medal. Yeah, so we yeah. got two gold medalists out of that <laughs> draft. So that's pretty good. I, I agree with the uh, Shakira take. And I just think that she's very paced. I think that the pace that she plays with, like, she, she gets the ball. She kind of surveys everything. And then yeah. attacks. Like, and that I, was I Asia coming out of college, game, too. Right. And, and, and I think that her game will translate very well to the WNBA. Like, we, we, you know, you guys are saying she might not be an all star, but I think she will definitely fit in with somebody. She, she's definitely going to be an impact player. She's going to impact winning for sure. And uh, Kirsten Bell, uh, I just see just like for the size, I was, I was surprised she wasn't, um, you know, a power forward or something. You, when you first take a look at an FGCU game and you're like, oh, that's, that's the center, <laughs> huge wing. Uh, just, yeah, just looks like an incredible, incredible athlete. FGCU doesn't play anything close to a WNBA offense. It doesn't really translate. All those big numbers uh, don't really translate, but you have to at least appreciate the size, the athleticism. I, I, I feel like she's going to be able to play defense, if nothing else. And then we just have to see how well the handle and everything else carries over with whatever team she winds up on. But somebody's going to take a chance and, and it's, it's probably a pretty good bet. Agree. So here's a question. Among, okay, we have the, we have the top two, which everyone pretty much agrees is Ryan Howard, Melissa Smith, uh, a tentative top three in Shakira Austin, but generally people are right. slotting her in there. Who else... Uh, among the remaining players, would you say is a lock for a first round draft pick? Becky, we'll start. Um, okay. I, I'll defer to MJ. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'll trade my, <laughs> my uh, pick to MJ. Right. You will defer to A future uh, first uh, go later on in return. Fourth pick is the dream. Considering they're losing court or, you know, they let go of Courtney and she was high intensity, I would go ahead and drive Inksler. I'd get Emily Inkster in there and, you know, see what she can do with that team. Because I know they're turning the corner. You know, they let Williams go. And I just, I don't know. I really appreciated her game because she brought so much to that team, even though they, you know, it didn't translate. It didn't, you know, it didn't result in wins. But anybody can use a glue person. And if you need something to try to tie everything into that, you can tie it to her. And then not necessarily build around her, but you can put pieces around her and she can, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm heavily impressed with what she did. <laughs> so excuse my bias. Like I, she, she got my bias from the other right. day. So after what I've seen from her, you can put what you're going to put on the dream, drive wherever you're going to drive, but you need to get hurt because if anybody's coming in, she can fit right in with anybody. 
I think you can almost put her on any team and she succeeds. And if I'm the dream and you're trying to go in another direction, you're trying to, you know, be a, get a little more dirty and actually get more wins instead of going eight and 24, then, you know, go ahead and get somebody that, you know, you could depend on like, okay, I need you to do this assignment. I need you to go defend this person. I need you to get rebounds. I, you need that type of person there. You can't have every person, every, every player out there just trying to score or, you know, like just stick into what their game is. And it's like, they're like a, a two trick pony or something like that. Like get her, bring her in. And then whatever is around her, she'll make it work. She doesn't need the ball, you know? So mm. I would, I would pick her up if I was the dream. Yeah. And uh, as far as the dream, right, there's no particular need because everybody is an unrestricted free agent the year after this one. Practically, right. I think Cheyenne Parker is the only player that has a protected contract in 2023. So the team could look vastly different. It's, a, it's probably a good pick. Is there anybody else who you would think would be an absolute lock to be a first round pick? I'm not that high on Sabali, even though I love watching uh, Satu. Like, yeah. I, if there's somebody that I follow overseas, it's Satu. And I know a lot of people are high on her. And I'm just like, oh, you know, I've watched her here and there. And I'm just like, does her game translate, you know, so easy over to the WNBA? And I don't think that it does. I think that she needs maybe another year or so. Like, she'll come in and she needs to get groomed and, you know, see how she needs to go about her game. Maybe I'm wrong, you know, but. Yeah, I don't think she makes it to the second round, though. I think she's there's a little too much in terms of potential upside, even if she's. She's yeah. pretty raw right now. I think somebody's going to yeah, take her. She's very raw. And yeah. I just don't know if that would be somebody that should go as high as they are projecting her. But Yeah, the post-scorer type are really don't have a very high batting average at this point. We, we thought the world of players like uh, Kalani Brown. And it's just you, you could be as, as big as you are, be an athlete, have a good touch or whatever. And it's just it's really difficult within the WNBA to succeed. You got to have something else going for you or you got to have the patience and, and hope that Brianna Jones breaks out from, from where right. she started from. So I don't know if I had to just throw somebody out there, I guess I would think about Kayla Pointer. Oh, good one. Yeah. I like her. Yeah. yeah and, I like her. Too. And just go from there. Yeah. Cause this, this draft is more about attaching pieces to teams where they have a deficiency wherever they're lacking at, mm -hmm. you know, unless you're Dallas and you're just laughing all over the place, even though I love Dallas. I I, I know Drew is probably going to kill me for that, but I watched Dallas because it was Detroit, then it was Oklahoma, then it was Dallas. So we'll, we'll make sure to clip that portion just for him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. Let him hear it. <laughs> but, no, no. I was going to save it. Yeah. I was going to save it. We'll put that as the teaser. Oh, yes, please do. And uh, it would either be Caleb. And like, I'm, I'm far outside of what the draft projections are. Like I'm looking at different players and I actually been looking at Deja Kelly as well. So, oh, wow. You That's that, you're going deep. That's a deep yeah. cut right there. Yeah. I'm going deep. <laughs> I mean, I'm did, did you even see had a big run? They were undefeated for a while. And a lot of that was Deja Kelly. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can see a team taking, particularly when we have teams right now, like, the Atlanta Dream and the Indiana Fever, who have a lot of room to fill and a number of picks. Like, I could see 
some teams taking a flyer on high upside players. They have room to draft some people and see how they do. And if they flame out, then they'll probably have more picks next year. Yeah. 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 There's uh, I mean, Indiana has nothing to lose at this point. Just <laughs> do the best you can. <laughs> So my question was, you know, particularly just watching that championship game and how, I mean, UConn did not look that great in that championship game, but they really did kind of outperform a little bit through the tournament. In the mock drafts I've seen, the UConn seniors are kind of all over the place. Yep. Like you have Kristen Williams sometimes going the first round, sometimes Davina Westbrook. There are some people that are really high in Olivia Nelson Adoto. Like, what do you guys think about the UConn seniors? Do you see any of them cracking a roster? It's hard to see. It's really, really mm, past no. a certain amount of point. It's it's basically impossible to say whether any particular player will crack a, a roster. Uh, I do kind of yeah. like Kristen Williams. Uh, just she does. I think she. I like her just a little bit more than Westbrook. And I, that I think she does a little bit more. Isn't reliant on one particular portion of her skill set which for Westbrook would be the shot. If the shot isn't falling in the WNBA, then she's going to have real problems. Uh, I think Williams has a little bit more to work from there. But then again, I, I don't see for her, you know, if if she does succeed, I think it's going to be basically in a bench role and she's going to be replacing one of these players that's kind of always uh, on the fringe in terms of the bench role. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. She had a really good tournament. Last the, the, the title game kind of everybody's talking about that the guards had a really hard time. But uh, prior to the title game and through most of the tournaments she's played, she's, she's been pretty good. She seems to up her game when, it, when everything's on the line. Uh, I think also UConn is kind of difficult to evaluate this year they it was just really really chaotic for them and everybody's role in the offense changed with all of the injuries that yeah. were happening maybe maybe we, we look back to their junior years for some of these players just to see uh, how if there was something with a little more consistency for them but yeah I, i'm kind of yeah I, I agree with you that they're they're looking to me like late at the at best late first and or second round type players and not necessarily somebody who is going to make a big splash at the next level. Yeah, I agree with that. I just, I don't know. Outside of Paige, and considering the WNBA doesn't, it hasn't expanded yet. So yeah. I don't think it's, it's any room for any of them right now. I really don't. It's still a lot of young players that need to develop and or are taking that next step. So I don't know. Hopefully they're going to stay one more year. Because I, I, I just think this year is a stalemate coming off of COVID and everything. And like you said, the injuries to UConn from top to bottom. I just don't know if, if, if Paige declared, yeah, but everybody outside of that, no, it's not, it's not set in stone. And, it, and then if they did get drafted, they're probably just going to sit on somebody's bench right at the end. Or they may get signed but then released right before the season begins. The same way they were kind of doing Lexi Brown this year. Uh, in Chicago, because I was yep. following her real heavy, and it's just like, okay, the Lynx let her go. Okay, Chicago got her. Okay, Chicago released her. Okay, they picked her back up. <laughs> you know, it's going to be that kind of thing. And then we see her in the AU, and she's like the MVP almost. Right, you yeah, know, she's one like, of the best players. Yeah, and it's so, I just, 
I mean, I don't, I don't want to segue into something that I don't think we're going to talk about, but the WNBA needs to expand because there's a lot of players that need an opportunity. And the only way they're going to get the experience in order to improve their game, they have to play on a WNBA level. And I don't think it's potential. It's, it's not possible for them. Uh, let's move on. So we have a Robococo rant Uh-oh. about transfers <laughs> and entitlement. And I'm just ready to concede the floor and let you go off, Becky. So the floor is yours. I snuck this in the outline because it really did get me heated. So let's talk about it. I'm going to read you two quotes from two grown adult men about 18 to 22 year old women. The first is from Kelly Graves, the coach of the Oregon Ducks. And when the Ducks went out in the first round, his quote was, I think at times our players have acted and performed entitled. This group hasn't won anything. We haven't won a Pac-12 championship. We haven't won the NCAA tournament with great depth. He went on to take some responsibility about the season and the inconsistencies, but that word entitled really stuck out. And then the next quote is from... Sabrina Nescu's dad, Dan. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. This is why you you do not let your parents get social media accounts. Yep. He went on Twitter and said, Oregon is not for everyone. I don't tweet that often, but this time I want to share my point of view on all of this transfers. If you are soft, Oregon is not for you. If you have a sense of entitlement just because you had some accolades in high school, Oregon is not for you. And it just stuck oh. out to me, these two men talking about entitlement for these 18 to 22 year old girls deciding to transfer from a college. Like they don't owe you anything. They're not paid. They can get NIL deals if they hustle personally and build their personal brand. But you know, they stuck around for the year, their commitment and their scholarship and they're allowed to transfer. And it just really frustrates me this mentality particularly for college women's athletics, both because of the discussion we just had where so few of them will be able to make it to pros. And also in this era of B2 and seeing some programs found out to have abuse in the programs. Right. And it, it doesn't mean that Oregon has an abusive program. I, there's no reason to believe that, but to have adults speaking out on this about just young adults making choices about their lives. Like it really rubs me the wrong way. I really think some people need to take a step back. Like these young women are living through a plague right now and trying to be students and trying to be college kids. Like they don't know you anything. Right. And it was kind of notable to me, particularly from this Oregon team when just a few weeks ago, the NCAA was talking about how great it was that the players came out and talked about the mistreatment or the inequities for the women's NCAA tournament compared to the men's tournament. And Sedona Prince was a huge part of that. And now she isn't one of the transfers from Oregon. She's committed to another year, but just part of that Oregon team that he called entitled. And I don't, to, to refer to her particularly as entitled when she really empowered so many other young athletes. I just, I, I'm, I'm upset. That well, first of all, I, I don't want to hear any college coach talk about 
transferring and if you leave someplace that you have a sense of entitlement in leaving because they do it all the time right yeah they're constantly they they move out they don't tell anybody they don't tell their players and then they're gone they they've taken a position somewhere somewhere else some incoming recruit is thinking that they're going to play for you all these promises that you've made them you split so don't i don't even want to hear about entitlement from from college coaches some of them who are among the the highest paid state employees in of their respective states is is just how absolutely ridiculous in terms of entitlement that they have and the salaries these ridiculous salaries that they make and then they the shoe deals that they get for they get paid for and their players have to wear those shoes that kind of thing absolutely uh, kelly graves is absolutely ridiculous he that word should not come out of his mouth and then as far as the ionescu family they like to talk they have there are a lot of hot takes in there and if i were ever famous i would absolutely put a gag order on and everybody related to me you're not allowed <laughs> to speak on social media that's it otherwise i don't know you and i'm going to pretend you're actually not related to me and something Ooh. like that <laughs> No, I, I absolutely agree with you. It's, it's, it's a joke. It's ridiculous. Uh, men or women, they, these, this is unpaid labor. I don't want to hear about it. There, there's no sense right. of entitlement. You're the, one, you're the one who makes money off of it. You're the one who benefits. And if they're trying to position themselves to get a better job after college in a, in a professional league, and they think they could do it better somewhere else, more power to them. I agree. Because especially these athletes, just across the board in any sport, they have the potential to have a career-ending injury in college. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that entitlement thing is just like, well, I'm putting myself on the line and the school is going to get coverage, the coach is going to get paid, and like you said, the coaches can move. And then why is it such a big deal in the WNBA, but it's not a big deal in other sports? Because this transfer is going on like – a player will play for one year somewhere, then go somewhere else, then go somewhere else after that. Like, so why is it a big deal in the, the women's uh, college ranks? Like, why is it a big deal there? Why is it, why do you have to bring attention, like negative attention to mm -hmm. it in in this place when it's allowed everywhere else? Like, I, I literally see this stuff up and down my timeline all day. Oh, such and such is transferring, you know, whether it's a college football college basketball for the men it's just like oh so they're free to transfer wherever but if one of the women transfer you got an issue with it like yeah. i don't i don't that doesn't translate yeah i'm remembering way back this i'm gonna i'm gonna date myself a little bit but Elton oh. brand when he went to duke <laughs> and uh, he declared early which was this unheard of thing at duke you know everybody was four years and and he jumped yeah. early to go to the pros and this Duke student said, you know, that, that he should not consider himself uh, a, a Duke student because he left the school early, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he had, he wrote a public response to it saying, you know, you and your, your alumni association and your country club never even knew who I was anyway. <laughs> so I don't consider myself a Duke student. It's just it, absolutely, it's ridiculous. It's the illusion of amateurism and college sports has kind of ceased to be that anymore it 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 is a professional thing now it's just a profession with unpaid labor and that's what it is so
Yeah. I think it should be treated as such. It should be treated as as a professional enterprise. And if you're there to go and get your four-year degree, then good. This won't matter to you. But if you're if you're actually, you know, you're doing it and you're trying to position yourself for something else, then or trying to make money, even if it's just NIL money, even if you don't really see yourself going in professional at the next level and you want to you want to make money that way, you want to benefit from it, then you're doing it right along with everybody else. Yeah, I remember the, there was like one UConn player that transferred really early, Sailor Poffenberger, I don't remember exactly her last name. And she just said something like, I didn't like the UConn campus. I didn't like <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, Connecticut. And I was just like, yeah, respect, you're a college student. <laughs> they're expected to be like professionals, but they're still, you know, taking classes, living college life. Like I barely kept up with my coursework and I had a weekly radio show and just through weird theme parties like let them be college kids and transfer if they well as somebody who had to walk two miles across campus uh, i i totally understand that <laughs> <laughs> okay all right on to the second portion of our i never even named the first portion of our show i'm doing a terrible job as the host the first portion of our show was known as weak sauce w actually uh, it's w-e-e-k and the notes we have it as w-e-a-k and that's wrong it's weak sauce as in the the topics of the week uh, we're moving on to the second portion of our show which is called emptying the branch or we've talked a bit well actually we've talked a lot about the WNBA draft anyway but we're going to talk yeah. about uh, the player a little bit more, the teams a bit more in terms of this upcoming draft class and what we might expect out of them. A really good place to start is Indiana, because I believe that they have three first round picks and four, four first round picks. Even yeah, better. Two, they're four, they're six, like the new and Dallas. And. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, so <laughs> they're they're on their journey. Taking a, a quick look at their <laughs> protected uh, contracts. So we have Kelsey Mitchell up through 2024. Bria Hartley expires this year. Tiffany Mitchell's expires this year. Danielle Robinson, I love Danielle, but man, wasn't that a great signing? Uh, is signed through next year. Tamika Catchings, you know, bless you, you made her a very happy woman. And then beyond that, I do not see. Anybody else who is, I think, a guarantee to last beyond this year. I don't see it. Anyone else? Well, Emma Cannon is technically signed. It's an unprotected contract. She signed in through 2023. Jasmine Jones has an option for 2023. But honestly, it's it's wide open. So if somebody's going to have four first-round draft picks, the Fever are the team to do it. And... If you were, so, okay, we're going to put, put on our GM hats here. If you were going into this draft, what qualities would you be looking for among the players of this draft? Uh, Becky, why don't we start with you? I think I mentioned this a little earlier. I think I would be going for really high upside picks. Um, you have a bunch of picks. They've fully committed to a rebuild, it seems like. They've been just kind of emptying the bench, really. Um, yeah, emptying the bench. Hey. <laughs> this offseason, they waived Kaiser <laughs> Gondrasek. They waived Lauren Cox last year. They traded Tara McCowan. They traded Julie Alamond. They bought out um, Gentile Lavender's contract. They are yep. getting rid of everyone they can. And they already have a, a huge piece in Kelsey Mitchell, just an incredible player who unfortunately is kind of languishing in Indiana. But for mm. me, like I don't think you want to go for like another team where they they have, you know, 10 or 11 people already signed and they just want a good kind of solid role player. I think you go for those people who 
may turn out to be a superstar because you have four bites of the apple for it. So go for the maybe riskier pick that you think has that high upside that could be your next franchise player. That's how I would be approaching it because I don't think they have plans to win this year. I hope they're not. I hope what these moves has been signaling and then be like, okay, let's step back. Regroup. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. We do actually need to try to do a rebuild. So we, they, I don't think they should be expecting to win the title next year. And I think they should just bring in people who they think kind of shoot the moon sort of plays. Yeah. You may as well take uh four swing, four home run swings that just, just load up and, and do your best to get, try and get at least uh, one impact player on out of it. Yeah, so they can they can take some of the high upside players we were talking about pretty much earlier right. on. Like they can they can take a chance on uh Sabali and Westbrook, Kristen Williams. You know, they, they have the opportunity to do that. So it's it, I don't know, they're gonna be interesting this year. Just because they have that much room to actually move around and you because they can move a pick too as well and try to bring in an impact player and then I was thinking maybe they trade the latter two picks, the six and 10 mm. and bring someone in. And then the players that they draft could fit around that player. I mean, but, are they getting anything for the six and 10? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> cause <laughs> it's just like, cause I, cause I, like I said, I just feel like this, this off season, this draft, it, I just feel like the WNBA coming off of COVID is yeah. in a stalemate right now. It's just like whatever you got right now, just continue to push push it forward. Mm. And because you never know what's gonna happen. Who who actually who did you guys have winning the championship before Chicago did? Before the playoffs started, who thought Chicago was gonna win? Oh, I thought I thought it was gonna be Connecticut. And I did too. So yeah. it's just like you can you can go get you someone who has the like experience of a Candace Parker and you know of course it's not going to be Candace but you could go get somebody that's an impact player and strike gold you know you never know but yeah they took a crack at Emma uh, I I heard um yes Emma Miesemann she's in Chicago now isn't she She, she's allegedly signed to Chicago yeah. She's definitely oh, signed. Chicago. Oh, she's definitely. Okay. This is, this is <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is official. There have yeah, been photoshops on the social media. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing Indiana tried to make some of those moves for the offseason. They didn't yeah. have uh, much people biting. No, um, nobody good. And and you don't, you don't want the player who is like, yes, absolutely, Indiana, pay me. I will go to you. Overpay well, that's me. that's what happened last offseason. Right. And they, it, it was terrible. <laughs> They brought in some veterans that I really like. Like, I really, really like Jantel Lavender and Danielle Robinson. I, like, just seems like a great person and had some really great moments on the Fever this year. I, I loved her on the was, 2020 Aces. Uh, yeah. she, she was wonderful. But, right, but it's like, it if you're bringing her in. It be enough, and it seemed kind of obvious from the signings that it wasn't going to be enough. Anyway, we don't need to <laughs> go through Tamika Ketchum's whole history. But, you know, I'm excited to see who they draft and. I just, I kind of want to see, like, I like, I've liked watching the wings the last couple of years kind of just be completely chaos agents where you don't a hundred percent know what team you're getting that night and have players like young players that kind of go off. It'd be fun if the Indiana fever draft some, you know, high upside picks actually plays them this, this time around. 
you know, mm-hmm. take a lottery pick and maybe play her substantial minutes. That's a new idea. Yeah. And just give them some run to kind of go out there. It could be a really yeah. fun team. Yeah, they're going to be dreadful. They're, they're and I feel I feel terrible. <laughs> they're going to be so bad. bad now. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it's just it. They're, they're just going to be bad. There's there's no way around it. They're, they they lost the one player who who could who could push them to being slightly less than terrible every once in a while. And unless Melissa Smith is just absolutely outstanding, they're yeah. they're going to be really really bad. They just they don't have. They're missing so much on on both both uh, sides of the court, and then that that as as a result that affects right that affects the young player coming in. If you have to play with a really bad team, it's going to make you always look worse than you are, and you you may develop bad habits because you're not playing with you know players that are capable of executing their roles the way they should. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say that particular because I mean like Bria Hartley is, you know, she knows what she's doing. Danielle Robinson knows what she's doing. So, it might not be quite as bad assuming Bria Hartley is even even healthy. That's those are those are guards that at least can, you know, be competent. So so maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm being just a, a little too much uh saying too <laughs> thinking too much doomsday thoughts. For an extra speed, yeah. but <laughs> like they're not going to be good. <laughs> I mean, someone has to be the twelfth team in the league, you know. Yes, yes, and uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna assume that role. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to have a constant in these really trying times. It it is it is you know there's there's too much chaos in the world and we can just rely on Indiana to be terrible and just like. Ah. <laughs> this is good. This is nice. It's nice to have the you know your team. Has a little rest day. You're like, oh, they're just playing Indiana today. <laughs> <laughs> I was really surprised looking through the various salary caps of of all the various teams, and I was I was kind of surprised to see that it looks like most of them have a spot. It, it feels like like you if you can you get your your first round pick can compete on most of these rosters, and the perhaps the two that you you would kind of give you pause is definitely one is Dallas. They need to they need to do something. A move needs to be kind of made somewhere to free up for for a rookie to yeah. make the the squad. And the other one is Minnesota. Well, I don't really want to say anything. I just have my feelings. It's just top to bottom. Vicky too. Her too. Like I don't know what Dallas needs to do. Just give her Rike the ball and just let her run crazy. Just I don't know. <laughs> I oh are you are you really low on them? <laughs> I, I love Dallas. But I'm, I won't say I'm low, but it's just Vicky does not have them doing what she, like, she needs to approach that roster with a different type of, like, game plan. She needs to figure it out because it's too much talent on Dallas for them to be struggling just to try to make the playoffs. But, but they were, they're very it's, young. There's too much talent there. Yeah, but... Most isn't most of the WNBA young. No, they're the youngest team. So as young as the WNBA is, they were absolutely the youngest team. Even like everybody talks about the Liberty being really young. No, the Dallas was much younger than the Liberty. The other thing is, I think that they they haven't they don't have a true point guard, which was I think one of the problems in that. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, Enrique Enrique is and... not a natural distributor, and then yeah. you were kind of relying on Mariah Jefferson, and I don't think that's her best role Ma- either Mabry Mabry she needs to go Vicky needs to let Mabry run the show and stop 
Well, you're starting. She's gonna. She's gonna like put up twenty shots too if you let her run the show. I mean, but she. (laughs) When I've seen her facilitate, it's it's looked good. Like she's the one that can kind of harness Rike a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like when I see Mabry on the court, and she also kind of gives her the ability to do what she does. Because when I think of Rike, I'm like, oh, she about to go to. She's going hard like Russell Westbrook, and (laughs) somebody needs to offset that. So if Arike is going hard all the time and she's going to the hole all the time or just trying to shoot all the time, put Mabry on the floor with her. So in the event that she's like, eh, let me let this go, she has somebody that's actually a threat almost all three levels, really. I mean, she can't shoot over a lot of, of the big women in the game, but she can. She still poses a threat. Like, you have to guard her. So... A man, don't get me started because I'll just go on about that. I'll, I'll Deep thoughts, like, all right? This I is do. a future topic, I'll, all right? Like, Let's go like ahead and bring down the roster here. We got uh, guaranteed contracts for Mariah, Alicia, Isabel, Kayla, Thornton. I can see them moving Thornton. In fact, I've I've, I've seen so many no. mock trades. I mean, I I'm just saying. Kayla well, you know, I, I, I like Kayla Thornton. I like Kayla Thornton, too, and she's had a great salary. <laughs> but if you're making room, then she is the most movable of of the uh, objects the other thing is they're super deep at wing if, when you have arika you have marina mabry and you have marina mabry under more cost certainty you have alicia gray that's 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 already that's a deep wing rotation right there so yeah kayla on top of that and then and then i like the most baffling thing that i heard this offseason is that they were interested in diamond to shields and i was like why <laughs> I, I i don't understand <laughs> you you have literally three better wings and they all are going to be cheaper than Diamond to Shield. So whoa. thankfully, talk Phoenix about, that about Diamond to Shields. It's I'm just saying the truth. Wow. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell the truth here. All right. I'm not going to lie on First here. Diamond to Shields has not been good for two straight years. <laughs> Period. That's it. I hope she gets it back. I'm, I'm always willing to to eat crow when a player who I don't think is very good is suddenly becomes good. It's awesome when that happens. I'm and just she's not going to an amazing season this year. I'm going to, we're gonna yeah, no, re- come back and, and play this clip over and over again, because diamond to shields has not been good for two straight years. You look like a fool. Look, okay, I, I'm, I'm down. I am a fool anyway. So, <laughs> so. Uh, but no, she hasn't, she wasn't, she wasn't good in the wobble. I know she was hurt and you thought, okay, well, she's hurt. She was terrible that off season. She was terrible last year. She was ter- been terrible this this off season. She's, She's the third leading scorer right on her her Turkish whatever team. I don't even know where it's at, but it has like two former Kitchalaska is Laksa is is shooting better than her and scoring more than her on her own team. So that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Don't worry, MJ. I'm the one that edits the podcast. It sounds, it sounds like it sounds I'll like see if this ends up like. in the final round. No, I'm just laughing because he feels the way too. <laughs> right. If Diamond to Shields is is a pl- positive player this year, just play this clip back and roast me, yeah. and I will be roasted, and I don't care. But Please I'm don't not cut it out. Don't cut it out. Just let it go. <laughs> no, leave it. Leave it in. I imagine leave it in. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey. So. I think we've kind of discussed everything that that we've we've kind of felt we want to discuss. So you guys have any closing thoughts? I think we emptied the bench. We emptied the bench. <laughs> the bench is empty. It's yeah. Nothing but Gatorade cups everywhere. I think we've covered everything. I can't believe the draft. I feel like this timing is so short. Like yep. the draft oh, yes. is in a week. It's going to be less than a week when you hear this. 
So this is our, you know, last time to talk about it before we're going to immediately. We're, we're going to be talking to about who, all of what, our what questions. Happened. So that has been it, folks. The very first episode of the sixth podcast of the year. I'd like to thank my fellow hosts, uh, Becky, Robococo, MJ Tolliver. I am Snap Wilson, and we will see you guys next week.